welcome everybody to another live recording of the Linking the Travel Industry podcast where we discuss travel industry news you are talking about on LinkedIn. We absolutely welcome audience participation. After all, we are here to link the industry. So if you have a comment on any of the stories we discussed today, please hit the raise hand button and we'll sort you out. My name is Rian and I'm one of your hosts today. I am the CEO of Agentivity where we make it our mission to elevate the serviceability of travel management companies through the effective use of data. And hello, everybody. I'm Anne, and I'm a consultant with LeapShift. Happy to help you with anything related to retail, NDC, one order and distribution. And I also work as an instructor for both IELTS and Eritas. Hi, everyone. My name is Ash, and I'm the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, where we give you only the important updates all in under 15 minutes. Additionally, I'm the vice president at Traxo, and this is Linking the Travel Industry. So thank you for those joining us once again and giving us your time. It's much appreciated. The format of this discussion today is around a post I do on a Friday where I've gathered a few of the most talked about stories on LinkedIn that relates to the travel industry. And then we just dive into them a bit more here with some further discussion. Ash, I'm going to just start with you because my first story on my list last week related to the fiasco of United Airlines and all their cancellations and what happened there. And apparently their um, response and, and how they're going to assist customers there was about offering them 30,000 mileage plus points to anybody who were affected by those cancellations and delays they had during the final week of June. And I, I have to say, I had a few comments, and it's interesting to note that the word is offered, not just given. So there's probably some process you have to go through to get those. Do you think it's uh, sufficient? I think it's a good way to solve a big problem of PR, because I think that the biggest frustration that travelers experience, of course, outside of the cancellations and delays and other factors like like that is the fact that if you want something back or if you want to do something about it, you have to go through this long process. And so this might lead to more frustration as opposed to less frustration. So I'm sure that they have a good intention, but I think the execution is where the details are going to be. Can I ask you, do you know how much is, let's say, a thousand United Miles worth in dollar value? Yeah, 30,000 actually is, is a good number because it yeah. gives you almost the equivalent of a free ticket. It's not so yeah. bad. Mohit, you joined us. Welcome again. you have a comment? Yeah, good evening, Rian. Hello, everybody. I'm Mohit. I'm one of the regular listeners of this amazing live show. And I also work as a PM for flight supply at ticket.com here in Jakarta. So I do have that number, Rian. You know, I did the math just before uh, coming in and thanks to your post. So a 30K mileage plus point is about $357 as per Google. And also, you know, as per none other than Hopper's, flight tracking tool. So the average price of flights in the US is about $306. So that's what data is telling us. Very good stats there. And is, is that going to be enough for you for the disruption of having a flight cancelled? I mean, I think it's a good gesture, actually. It I mean, is. Not bad. Let's move on. My next story was post I picked up. I saw Emirates is now, they're also offering private jets that you can charter with them and fly. It's obviously branded with Emirates. I used to see them with Qatar. I used to fly through Doha quite a lot and I saw the Qatar private jet standing on the tarmac there as well. So I'm a bit surprised that this is new to Emirates. Um, Harvey Lyons made a good post about this where he asked quite a lot of questions about how does that fit in with the overall goals that we have to reduce our carbon emissions, etc., etc. And it's a tricky one, this one, isn't it? Because the demand is clearly there and customers are willing to pay. How do you balance that out, right? Yeah, exactly. And how do you handle that media-wise? You know, it's heavily been discussed in, in media, hasn't yes. it? Don't uh, post yeah. those selfies from the private jet, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
My next post was, uh, I picked this up, it was posted by Beyond Business Travel. They just posted about the fact that EasyJet has cancelled 1,700 flights over their summer schedule between July and September. Uh, I suspect mostly to avoid any disruption. It didn't make much headline elsewhere. I just saw it in that one post. And what do you think of that? I mean, is it worth talking about or is it just good common sense of uh, EasyJet to be doing that? Well, I think that they're trying to mitigate the, the, the situation, aren't they? There will most probably be a strike for, what was it, eight days at Gatwick Airport, the end of July. So interesting to see, you know, what are they rebooking to? You know, what are the options that they're finding? Sort of even out the capacity from the UK. Hmm, it's it's very interesting. I would love to to know more, especially how they do it as well. Indeed. Any comments, Ash, or didn't the story really reach you that side of the pond? I was actually quite impressed with the fact that they had rebooked all these people. So that I think the number is 95% of effective passengers were put into alternative flights. So that's a great job of being proactive. So definitely good for them to see the picture ahead. And, you know, they saved uh, 30,000 miles possibly for each passenger for cancellation. So good for them. My next one was probably the story of the week, the news that Expedia Group and Hopper is ending their relationship at the request of Expedia. Lots of stories behind the stories here. I picked up on this in a post by Rafat Ali from Skift, where he talked about this and saying, talk about an atomic bomb going off um, in the online travel sector. And he says this will reverberate for a while and according to him, quite a blow to Hopper. I've subsequently read quite a few other stories about this and it seems very behind the scenes, behind the scenes. Right. So, um, Anne, what do you make of the story? I was really taken aback when I saw this. I, I wasn't seeing this one coming. And I actually had no idea how big Hopper had grown. That was also very interesting to see that they're the third biggest in the US. I wasn't really aware of that. What I didn't quite understand, and hopefully Ash knows this much better than I do, is that what are they actually accusing? Well, 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 accusing, maybe not the right word, but you know, they're not happy with some of the business methods of booking, I assume, that Hopper are practicing. This was a bit unclear to me. Was it clear to you? Yeah, so for me, and I think it's the services that they sell to travelers where they're upselling benefits like canceling for any reason, price freeze and that kind of stuff, right? So because you are a traveler, you don't really know too much about the travel industry, then Mm -hmm. you are a great candidate for me to sell you some of the things that you don't need. So I think the focus there was Expedia was saying that, hey, Mm -hmm. you know, you are selling people stuff that they don't really need and you're taking advantage of them and that doesn't quite Mm -hmm. fit our world. So, you know, I think the travel industry Mm -hmm. for the general part has been pretty notorious for that and of yes. course things have changed quite a bit over time it's it's not right i mean that is that is absolute that that's terrible i think the product is really good cancel for any reason but it has to be in the right context and again you know, that's just a guess on my part i don't know for sure but no i, I think yeah. it's a pretty good guess uh, ash and uh, thank you for that Mohit, i think you might have had a comment on the story as well right yes absolutely Ryan. i think this can be the break off of the year uh the impact should be at both ends you know time will tell whom more or less however you know if i look at this event from a marketing guy's lens, it's very interesting to me, you know, the number that pops out. So 70% of Hopper users are between 18 and 35, while in a study done in 2021, PDR target users around above 35 years of age. So from this angle, this is almost two years of data for the marketing team at Expedia, you know, to test the potential of users below 35. 
I just want to take some time out to thank the audience uh, for giving us your time so diligently on this call. It's um, keep coming back to the show. We really appreciate your support and your attendance. So uh, thank you for that. We do the show to uh, link the industry, as we you know so blatantly say in our taglines. Uh, we have a, a link of the week each week where we call out the person and suggest you connect to them. And our link of the week this week, in much to Anne's delight is uh, Sue Carter, but we thank you for your time and thank you for being here this week. And so we're making you our link of the week. And for everybody else on the uh, show today, if you can see Sue Carter in the audience there, make the effort and connect to her. She seems to be a great marketeer and uh, communication strategist with a lot of experience in the industry. So Sue, thank you for your attendance and thank you for joining us. There you are. You have been linked this week. Our next story was just about Delta Airlines posting some pretty impressive financial results, as was to be expected. Now, we don't really talk much about Delta on the show, but uh, those were some good results. Right, Ash? Pretty positive there and, and nice for them to see those results come through. Yeah, and uh, Delta is pretty uh, bullish about all the uh, rest of the year from this uh, news as well. So they're saying that, hey, second quarter, we did amazing. Third quarter, we're going to do even more amazing. And a lot of the revenue gains, as per uh, the story, came from international revenue. So they reported 61% increase in international revenue. And we're not talking like 5%, wow. 6% increases here. We're talking like double digit increases. They're doing it uh, at the rate of keeping costs pretty low. So cost increase was only 6%, whereas revenue increase was 13%. So that's a great number for any CEO of any company. And this is why we have Ash on the show, right? He's always got the right stats and numbers right there. At mm-hmm. I didn't know it those does. details. But, um, and it's no. impressive, right? What Dell was doing there. Yes, it's truly impressive. I mean, I just, you know, it just makes you so happy when some airlines in the world are doing so incredibly well and can show us that it is quite possible to do very well as an airline, right? <laughs> it is possible to make money. <laughs> it is possible. Yes. You know, maybe we shouldn't say this, but I wonder maybe maybe it was a good idea to sort of uh, sit back and, and wait when it comes to technology. I have no idea. Anyway, I shouldn't I shouldn't say that. They, they own their own PSS, so they're all saying one. Yeah, again, there's a, there's a trend there, right? So, and um, excuse my ignorance, but who is there? Are they still partners with, is it Carolyn or is it Virgin Atlantic, the European it's partners? Carolyn France. Is it also, Kalim. it is Virgin Atlantic, right? Yeah, because Virgin yes. Atlantic are hosted on, on the Delta host. Yes. And then that leads us very nicely into the next story because mm-hmm. it is about Virgin Atlantic and um, their partnership with Fetcher. I hope I pronounced that correct because I've got two R's at the end. I don't know if you're supposed to say Fetcher. Mm-hmm. They are deploying artificial intelligence-driven dynamic pricing. This sounds interesting, right, And Artificial intelligence-driven dynamic pricing? Yes. This, this is actually the story that really caught my eye this week and what I consider the most interesting story. Okay, don't get me wrong. The, the Hopper Expedia thing was also, you know... <laughs> This was really, to me, really super interesting because I'm, I'm a great admirer of Fetcher. I really like what they do. I like the people. I like what they do. And I also like that they sort of define themselves as being both sort of a pricing system and an RM system and, and really true dynamic pricing. I think they're very, very innovative. And uh, it's great to see Virgin Atlantic taking uh, that step towards what I call real dynamic pricing. I mean, this is the real deal. So, yes, we're very happy about that. Wow. If you want, we can call the Hopper uh, Expedia story our <laughs> sensational story of the week. And this one, the most interesting. So there you go. That makes you happy. Yes. 
yes, we could do that. It would be great actually to have them and come and you know come and comment yes. and and uh, because so many when I talk to people in the industry they never heard of them and I've been following them for over well two years at least. I, I really do like what I see. Very nice. I was going to ask Ash if he's heard of them before. Never really knew anything about Fetcher before, but after the story, I'm like, hey, what they're doing is pretty amazing. And I think this is what airlines all need to get down to, which is that there's a big inventory, there's seats available, let's lower the pricing, let's get people to book, and then it's all done behind the scenes without a single human intervening, which, God, it just sounds so 2050 or something, right? It's just <laughs> yeah. so cool. So. I love it. Yeah, I think this is sounds, great. It sounds just right. just yes. the price, you know, the automation of pricing and having them. When you look at some of the stuff that's going on in the industry, it's totally archaic. It hasn't changed in 20, 30 years. They're sitting there with, you know, Excel sheets and 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 they're sending through, you know, BPOs in India, sending to ADPico and stuff. And you just don't think it's for real. So it's very much needed. Hopefully earlier than in 2050. Yeah, and then think about the way it's. Right. I mean, some human being has to press the button and it's all this kind of stuff. Right. So now you have a machine that's making the decision, which I think is going to make probably a better decision, yes. probably more beneficial to the airline, which yes. is great and also beneficial to the consumer because it's real time. Exactly. There was a nice post I saw by someone called Eveline Vidal, and she was doing a great comparison between the Airbus A350 and the new Boeing 777X. It was just an interesting read if you're into that sort of thing. Very nice statistics that she's done there, but those were the stories on my list. I do have a quick trivia, and Ash, I promise to do better this week, so um, let's see what we can do. It's a bit unfair to the non-UK audience, but there was a poll done by Telegraph and people had to vote for their favorite travel destination, city and country. So Ash Mohit, and do you think you can name either or, either the, the UK population favorite travel country or city? I'll go for Spain. Miami, Florida. Let <laughs> <laughs> me say Bali, Indonesia. Oh, wow. So it, it wow. Makes, my, makes my heart warm to say that you're wrong, and it is actually South Africa and Cape Town in particular that is the top. <sighs> that was set up while we just oh. There we go. <laughs> yeah. We all fell for it. Yes, yes we did. Oh, well, well, there you go. So good old Cape Town and South Africa being uh, in there. So now I'm going to hand over and ask Ash if he's got any... Um, I suspect you might. Yes, I do. And uh, this is a really good one. Super excited to inform you all. I'm sure you all know this. India has successfully launched a robotic lunar lander this past week. Uh, It was a huge, huge, huge boost for the Indian space industry. And of course, this uh, whole thing is set up to have India be a nation that is going to land a spacecraft on the moon. This is actually their second attempt to soft land on the moon. The actual rocket gets into lunar orbit around August 15th. And they're planning right now for the landing to occur on August 23rd and 24th, roughly. I think that it'll be really cool Mohit, I don't know what you think about this, to have it land on August 15th, which happens to coincide with India's Independence Day. India is uh, getting on the map with space travel, and uh, a lot of companies are actually uh, getting super excited about this and uh, depending on this to be a success because the actual uh, rocket itself will be used for other purposes uh, like low-orbit travel and other things like that. Mohit, what's your comment on this one? Can't agree more, Ash. I think we need some tailwinds here. It is an incredible story, and I believe they're landing it in a previously unexplored area of the moon, right? Some sort of area where there's not much known about it. I noted that there are even more changes in Google Travel. 
the travel boss, Richard Holden, has been replaced. And there seems to be a lot of changes at Google Travel, which we've talked about in the past. Personally, as, as you know, because I've spoken about it before, I think that this is because search is most likely going to be sort of fundamentally changed. And that's also something that I saw on a post made by Travel Dax and Valentino Portnoy from Travel Dax. He posted a very interesting article on is this actually the end of the matter search? That was the main message uh, of it and how AI could actually replace, well, make, make matter search redundant. And, and this is something I do believe myself. I, I think we are going in that direction. And uh, I think that is the source of pattern that, that Google, the message that Google is conveying as well. Thank you very much, Anne. I mean, Ash, as you always say, we live in the moment and Anne is in the future, right? So I... Get there yes. around uh, January 2024, Anne. Yes, exactly. <laughs> finally, finally, interline means a lot to me. Everything just kind of fits now. So, you know, little. You, I know you've been talking about that for a year. And then, yeah. then there will be no matter search and then there yeah. will be. But, you know, I, I was thinking about this one. I, I, do, I do believe that we will see, you know, AI can hopefully do some really yes. positive stuff with this. I mean, it's obvious that Google has obviously been listening to our show as well, so they make some changes. <laughs> yes. There we go. Very good. Okay, well, on that note, so I just want to say thank you uh, to all three of you, and Asha Marie, thank you for joining us. Jonathan, thanks for your comments, and Sue, you know, well done on being our link of the week, so thank you for being here, and for everybody else. We do this weekly, and so we'll see you next week, so from my side, I just want to say thank you. And I say thank you, everyone, and a special shout-out to Sue. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining today's session. We host this LinkedIn audio call every week on Monday, and it is all about linking the travel industry. Please do share this event with others that you know. Chances are high that if you enjoyed today's session, others that you know will as well. And if you cannot make it because of time zone or availability, this session is always available as a podcast on Business Travel 360. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off.